Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now edit, also known as the Nine edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. For decades, milk has been fueling women marathon runners as the OG performance drink. And in the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers takes us on a journey of self-discovery as she meets several groups of empowered women runners to find out what drives them, what fuels them, and what pushes them to go the distance. And in the process, she learns that she too can be a distance runner. You can watch the series at runningsuckstheseries.com and register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. I think when you say I love you with words, it's done. But movement and being silent is very powerful because there are so many ways that you could imply I love you. It's a powerful thing because it speaks directly to your imagination. You know, the words, once you said it, it's done. It, you know what it means. There's no any other way to it. But you could, you could just put yourself a little bit closer to your partner and that says something. If you go a little bit apart, and then that says something completely different. So there's body language and then there is movement. Then on top of that, you have music. When you get the music, the music gets inside of you. And when you get the design and the dancing, and then you have already the synopsis of the play with music together, I think it's just glorious. And it could have multiple meanings because it depends also on your state of mind. It could, it could mean something to you completely different than to me and completely different than to the other person. Uh, and if one of those days you, you have like an emotional day and you see Romney and Juliet and you hear that Prokofiev music sound on you, you know, you break into tears. Do you remember the first time that you ever danced when you were really little? Do you remember the first time? No, no, I can't, I can't tell you exactly which was my first time. Uh, I think dance was all around me. I opened my eyes and my parents were dancing in the background, in the living room, music was around. Carlos Acosta grew up in the 1970s and 80s in Havana. Cuban people are people that live outside because it's so hot inside. So we're always on the street. They, we have a constant dialogue with the sun and the sea. So people dance all the time. There's always music all the time. It's in the blood, you know. Uh, if, you, if you look at the, the composition of the Cuban race, you got Spanish, Indian, African, you got French, Chinese, so it's a melting pot. And we were able to retain and preserve that past, the past that the African and the Spanish gave us, 
you know, with the guitar, the fusion of the guitar with the drums that they brought from Africa and all the many rhythms that were born in Cuba, we were able to preserve them. Uh, and so dance was all around us. By the time Carlos was born, Fidel Castro had been in power for nearly 15 years. Carlos remembers lining up at stores for rations of everything from meat and bread to toothpaste and soap, even toys. The lines would be so long, people would pass the time by playing dominoes or dancing. In the 80s, there was the, the period where the, the breakdancing was in fashion and I wanted to be the next Michael Jackson. I think just about every kid in, in my neighborhood wanted to be Michael Jackson. So I started to break dance in the streets of Cuba. Carlos and his friends would take their boom boxes and compete in neighborhood breakdancing competitions, wearing sunglasses, backwards baseball hats, and gloves to try to look like Michael Jackson. Chewing gum was also part of the look, but they didn't have gum, so they chewed on Band-Aids instead. He made a name for himself as a breakdancer, not just in the neighborhood, but throughout Havana. When he won first place in a dance competition, his prize was a trophy of Vladimir Lenin with a hammer and sickle. And soon my father, who was a truck driver, one day picked me uh, dancing, break dancing in the local shop and then had the brilliant idea to put me into ballet. Karlov says that when his father was young, he once snuck into a movie theater in Havana. He saw a silent film, and it was there, in the film, that Carlos's father saw ballet for the first time. His father became entranced by it. So when he realized Carlos was a talented dancer, he decided to send his son to the local ballet school. Well, my reaction was uh, that silly thing that, that they, they show on TV where men were wearing tights, <laughs> you know, those are for, for women, you know, what, what do you mean, you know? So, oh, he said, you're going to be a ballet dancer and that's it. And at the same time, ballet, it meant uh, free meals. So he, he, and take me to the center of, of Havana, uh, where they will feed me, and and I think he saw a way to solve two problems. And that's how ballet started with me. Carlos's mother took him to audition for the ballet school downtown. He remembers feeling like he didn't belong. There weren't many other black students or teachers. You know, you look uh, out of the window from my neighborhood, and then the contrast to the ballet world, which was in the center of the city, where their family, their parents, will bring their kids in, in cars. Obviously, you know, completely a different world, a world of doctors, a world of people, educated people. And, and all of a sudden, what am I doing here, you know? It was a very strange surroundings. Carlos remembers hoping he wouldn't be invited to return so he could keep dancing like Michael Jackson with his friends. But his mother came home one day with a letter saying he'd been accepted. Tell me about the first ballet class you ever took. What, what were you thinking that first ballet class? I thought that was the most boring thing <laughs> in the world. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love.
you know, from the world that I was coming from, the world of freedom, of breakdancing, of escaping to the river, and all the suddenly having uh, myself in a in a ballet studio, in a ballet bar, doing all these nonsense exercises with a piano music, you know, it, it was just a waste of time. Did any of your friends who you had been hanging out with breakdancing, did they make fun of you when, when they heard that you were spending all this time now having to take these ballet classes? Definitely. They make a lot of fun of me because I, you know, the, the, uh, ballet was associated with something that women do, you know. And so you can imagine how they call me CC and making fans and flapping their arms like a bird or swan. Or, you know, I became the the a clown in my neighborhood, kind of, you know, whatever they see me, oh, look who it is. Carlos woke up at 5 a.m. every day for school. In the mornings, he went to a normal academic school. And in the afternoons, he had ballet. In his lessons, he first learned how to stand with his feet turned out and heels together, first position. He remembers standing like that made him feel like Charlie Chaplin. Tell me about the first time that you ever performed on stage. What what did it feel like, in, in not just performing in the middle of a store, in the middle of the street with your friends, but being up on stage? I loved applause. I always loved applause, I can't lie. You know, I thought <laughs> that when, when I do something uh, and people clap at me, I thought that they discovered me, that I exist, that, wow, I've been noticed, I'm somebody. Not everyone will admit that, that, that they, they like doing something because they like the applause, they like being recognized, they like being noticed. Not everyone would, would just come out and say that. Yeah, well, I was very shy. I had a lot of problems in my household. My father went to jail for two years and then had to work from jail to bring money home because my mother was a housewife didn't have uh, any job and we were three kids and then in the in the middle of all that my mother also got ill um, had a brain tumor and so therefore I had no guidance and I was very very young I was a kid I was 10 years old 11 12 thereabouts uh, and uh, and so all of that it gave me a sense that nobody was going to rescue me that i was i was lost but then i discovered my greatest friend that became my art and i started to have a relationship you know with the audience whenever i performed that gave me a sense that i wasn't alone after all that in this world this life i i had a place as well you know that i was noticed that i could be somebody and i think that that it became my shelter my refuge i hang with both hands from that hope he was one of the best students in his ballet school and when he was 13 carlos moved away from his home to continue his training he moved almost 100 miles away from his mother and father to the city of pinar del rio the school took me to see the National Ballet of Cuba, 
you know, they were the professionals, you know, sort of like our role models. And then I saw a man, you know, dancing very, jumping very high. And I remember saying, wow, that, how can that even that be possible? Uh, and obviously very muscling, very, but also carrying the girls with one hand and that kind of acrobatic uh, sort of physical aspects of, of ballet. Because up until then, it was just about these ballets for kids kind of moves. But then you saw the professional and you see what they could do. And then uh, it was almost like seeing a, a major athlete on stage, you know. And I like that. I always like football, always like baseball. I always like uh, uh, sportsmen, sports people. And I established that connection when I saw that. And I said, wow, these are really incredible. And then it made me fall in love even more with with that. And, and I, I really wanted to carry the girls with, with one hand as well, you know, and to jump that high. And that, I think, is when I became to work very seriously to to be the best I can be. Carlos remembers once around this time, his father told him about a dream he'd had. His father told him, You were dancing in a majestic theater in another country, and suddenly a cricket landed on your shoulder. Don't you realize it means you're going to be great one day? Support for This Is Love comes from Indeed. Sometimes a new person joining your team at work can make a good team into a great one. But finding the right person can be a challenge. Indeed helps you find that perfect match when you're looking to hire. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences for job candidates and becomes more accurate over time. So the more you use it, the better it gets. Indeed will also help you with some of the busy work of hiring too, like scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates. According to a survey by Indeed, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Listeners of This Is Love will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash This Is Love. Just go to Indeed.com slash This Is Love right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash This Is Love. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall on the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you, and their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained, because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. After Carlos Acosta graduated from the ballet school in Pinar del Rio with a perfect score on his final performance, he began studying ballet at Cuba's National School of the Arts. There, one of his ballet teachers was a woman named Ramona de Sa. 
she became like a second mother to me because I spent a great deal of, of time with her and less with my own mother. And, and then uh, we were bound by this love to our dance. Uh, and it became, you know, sort of like a compass, uh, not just for the dance, but for life itself. Obviously, you know, she, she made really incredible decisions that changed my life forever. So that's why the role of the teachers in somebody's upbringing, it means a lot because they one decision from your teacher, from your mentor, can change your life for the better or for the worse. When Carlos was 16 years old, Ramona de Sa took him to Italy. He says he never thought he'd be able to leave Cuba and had to get special permission from the government. He was there for a year, training with a company in Turin. He remembers that every night before he went to sleep, he set aside 30 minutes to think about his family. He says... I tried to remember all the times when we all slept together in the same room and to conjure up happy images. As a dancer, Carlos impressed his teachers so much that they pushed him to compete in one of the most prestigious ballet competitions in the world, the Prix de Lausanne in Switzerland. Nearly all of the past winners have gone on to become principal dancers, playing the lead roles at famous companies all over the world, even to compete means you're one of the best young dancers in the world. Over four days and four rounds of the competition, Carlos performed a number of solos, or variations, in front of a panel of judges. He was up against 93 other young dancers, and he made it to the final round. During the award ceremony, Carlos heard his name called, but he didn't understand what had been said about him. He stepped forward and accepted a small box and shook hands with the judges. And then he looked down, opened the box, and realized he'd won first prize, the gold medal. Most people who study ballet will never become professional ballet dancers, and most professional ballet dancers will never become principals. But at 18 years old, Carlos Acosta was flown from Cuba to London to walk on as a principal at the English National Ballet. He performed all over the world, and in 1998 joined the world-famous Royal Ballet in London as their first black principal dancer. Historically, ballet has been a very white art form. It was developed 400 years ago in France, and up through most of the 20th century, choreographers and directors of companies kept it largely white. Even today, the majority of professional ballet dancers are white. So when Carlos joined the Royal Ballet, it made headlines. He broke ground performing in ballets like Swan Lake, The Nutcracker, and Sleeping Beauty. Everything is narrative-based, it's fairy tales, you know, people fall in love with the swan. It's, uh, it's an art of make-believe, you know. Art is make-believe, you know. It's trying to inherit a narrative, a character, uh, and sort of understand it, where it comes from and then deliver. But it's, uh, it's normally, it's, it's far from when you, who you are in real life, you know, especially a quintessential art form that is ballet. What I really 
like about what I do is they give me a possibility to be somebody I'm not in real life and and I like that aspect of, of going somewhere that I, I haven't been and I want you know one day I've been Romeo but another day I'm something else another day I'm a barber another day I'm just an, an abstract creature uh, and so I think that kind of changing all this time is what keeps me stimulating. Tell me about the relationship you have as a dancer with your partner. You know, the the whole point of is is to make it look as though you two are moving effortlessly with each other and in complete sync. What what is it like to have a partnership like that? I think I've been blessed that I have had the most amazing partners that are committed, they share the same commitment to go deep into the narrative, into the story, and and leave leave the play, leave the story, you know, in that moment. No not to even be aware that there is an audience. That kind of commitment is very rare. And when you find people that are willing to go this deep, you know, into your art form, I think is is glorious. In March of 2006, Carlos Acosta became the first black man to portray Romeo in Romeo and Juliet at the Royal Ballet. Carlos says he never thought he'd be considered for the role. I thought that I, it, it's not for me that I could never do it because I never see myself as a Romeo, elegant, or kind of had this kind of heritage behind me. I was more in the world of kind of raw person, you know, going from living uh, and growing up in my boroughs. But when you, in the minute that you told me, and now you are the prince, I'm like, I don't even know how a prince is supposed to be like, uh, you know, I, I never seen a prince before, uh, you know, how am I so, supposed to be turning myself into a prince? How do they stand up, you know? And so all of a sudden, that was a big journey in learning how to be a prince, how to be a, a Romeo. And so it was a big, uh, a big role for me. Carlos's family made arrangements to travel from Cuba to London to see him perform as the star of the Royal Ballet. I remember my father cry a lot and uh, it was a big deal for him, you know, because obviously he did come from an era where a lot of hardship, a lot of racism. And so, you know, he was very proud. What can I say? I think it's a, it's a good thing to, to know for me that somehow he lived all my success, the success that he helped build. In his 17 years with the Royal Ballet, Carlos Acosta danced in almost all of the major ballets in the company's repertoire. He even choreographed his own works. He was also invited to dance with ballet companies around the world. He was the first foreign guest artist ever to be invited to perform with the iconic Russian Bolshoi Ballet. And for that performance, he won the ballet world's equivalent of an Oscar. He traveled constantly, performing in New York, Paris, Tokyo. In a 2007 interview with The Guardian, he joked, I have jet lag half my life. But you can't be a ballet dancer forever, not even for a very long time. It's too physically demanding. Most ballet dancers retire somewhere around the age of 40. Some even retire earlier. 
And when he was 42 years old, Carlos Acosta announced that he would be retiring from the Royal Ballet. For his last performance, he choreographed his own version of the ballet Carmen and performed the lead role of Don Jose. He said that creating the ballet was the perfect way to say goodbye to the company and, quote, at the same time, give them something in return. It was a sold-out show. And obviously when you're young, you, you think you're going to be young forever and these things are never going to go. And so I'm there doing this and all of a sudden it's gone. When the ballet was over, Carlos came to the stage for his bow. The entire ballet company stood behind him, applauding him. There was a 20-minute standing ovation. And I want to say something to the new generation of dancers, actually. My advice for you is allow yourself the freedom to commit mistake. There is nothing like right or wrong, better or worse. There is no such a thing as failure because life is an eternal learning process. This is Love is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson and Aaron Wade. Audio mix by Rob Byers, Michael Raphael, and Johnny Vince Evans, a final final V2. Julian Alexander is our illustrator. You can find out more about This Is Love on our website, thisislovepodcast.com, or on Facebook and Twitter, at This Is Love Show. This Is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a collection of the best podcasts around. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you, and their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained, because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, (laughs) but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. 
Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.